when they're doing all the sound check, you know, for all the different percussion instruments. Well, he brought a bunch of shakers that were empty. So he would be go, he'd go in there and pick it up and, and just to do the sound check for all these things. And, and, and the guy, his guy's saying, I can't, he, you know, I can't hear it to turn it up. And this guy's like, he's checking everything. It's like nothing, you know. <laughs> and they're like, oh, and then he realizes he's. So, drummer, drummer said, Steve Gadd used to do that kind of stuff. He had uh, uh, a cellophane, you know, like from uh, uh, a sucker. Mm-hmm. And he would he would just. You know, they're off doing this, and he just do this. It's like, damn, this cable. Something's wrong with the cable. <laughs> and then he, he had a dog whistle. Oh, and it would and go. And he, he'd blow the dog whistle, and it would peg the meters. <laughs> but nobody could hear anything. <laughs> You're he did, he barking outside the studio. He, he, yeah. he, he did that to try to. You're right. <laughs> just mess with people. He, he, he did, well, he did it to break, because people, you know, get, at studio, people get uptight. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a chance to kind of, yeah. <laughs> Get a laugh. That's um, that's fantastic. All right, you got that one? Yep, we're good. All right, y'all ready? For what? Well, we'll find out, I guess. So, <laughs> welcome, welcome. This is episode, I said I wasn't going to say episode titles, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I think it's nine of the Music Currency Podcast. And today I have with me Hans Sturm, Jackie Allen, fantastic musicians and teachers, and I've been privileged to work with both of them, actually. Um, and... We have vocalist, songwriter, and many other things that I probably don't even know, and bassist, head of bass association, right? And for... Well, actually, was, yeah, today, uh, let's see, uh, today we're we're recording this on on a Friday. Uh, Last Saturday, uh, I got to uh, uh, pass the proverbial baton. Oh. Uh, So I am... Uh, yes, I'm now the immediate past president. So I'm still on the executive board and I'm still chairing governance, but I'm, I'm, I'm finally uh, ending my active presidency. So I'm past president. International, well, that is awesome. Society. Inter- International Society of Bassists. Wow. Yeah. Super, super cool. Um, but yeah, welcome Hans and Jackie. I'm super stoked to have you guys on the podcast and we're just going to chat a little bit about you guys and music and all of that business and jazz. I, I was going to say all that jazz, but, you know, it seemed a little <laughs> bit too... <laughs> too late. Too late. Yeah. All <laughs> that jazz. Yeah. Jazz hands. But, yeah, so anyways, <laughs> I guess I'll just start off with... I remember the first time I actually worked with either of you was, I think, I had just finished doing jazz theory or something, and I had asked you if I could get in contact with Jackie to do some voice lessons focused on jazz vocals and like songwriting and stuff. And from there, I I remember the very first thing was we were in jazz theory and you had said something about the harmonic sequence and it just clicked the actual progression <laughs> of intervals. And I was like, oh, this is what it was this whole time. Because <laughs> you like rattled it off and I said, I remember seeing this in my book. And so I remember because we were doing COVID classes and I was sitting down and I said, let me check my music theory book real quick. I went back, grabbed it off my shelf and I looked and I said, that is the harmonic sequence. Oh my goodness. Why didn't I just know this? (laughs) (laughs) But the thing, yeah. yeah, the thing that captured me was, and it's something that I've learned from both of you is that you're very good at being practical about music and how to use it and how to uniquely use it and leverage one's own strengths to do so. Um, But like, how did you guys come to realize that was a thing and how did you come to doing so yourself? 
for me, I mean, the, the story's shorter, I guess. I use, mostly use my instincts, but when I get, I hit a wall, it's where I go back and think about, oh, what did I learn in school? Uh, it's like, oh, okay, here's some some tips. Here's some things that I learned that can maybe help me move forward. Mm. So that's that's how I use it. But, but it comes instincts first. Or if I get stuck, again, I can go back to a, a book and it's like, okay, if I follow these rules, maybe this just by thinking about this, I can, you know, play a game and see where see where see where I go with it. You know, if I'm thinking of writing a song or even an arrangement idea. Mm-hmm. So, like, did you? Well, I guess part of the question is too, like, when did you start like realizing that for yourselves, especially, you wanted to teach, especially, I guess, um, and specifically, like, do music. Like, how? How did you get to that point and then say, get to that point where you're like, you know what? I can kind of hear these things and I know how to just use these to my will, essentially. Where where did that kind of come along where you started to recognize that that was something you could do and do well? Yeah. Do you want, you want to start? Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's a big question because there's, there's, there, there's a lot of pieces to the to, to, to my story and Finally, settling on music mm-hmm. because I had I had uh, uh, I had always done music since elementary school. I started on violin, so I'd done music for years and years and years. The bass didn't come around for me until high school. Mm. Um, but even at that point, you know, I was at the place where I really enjoyed playing the bass. I really enjoyed playing the violin. I sang in the choir. I played. I did all those. I did all the all the all the music stuff. But I wasn't sure that's what I should do and so i went to study you know liberal arts that's kind of thing and and then because of because my parents are both educators mm-hmm. and so anyway after after so after a couple of years through this transfer process of deciding okay i really do need to do music i mean this is this is not a thing and i think part of it for me was my parents being educators and seeing that because even even when, if we're not teaching actively, when you're performing, mm-hmm. you, you still are teaching. You're showing. You're showing your thing. You're sharing a story. You're 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 doing all that. So that's that's always been kind of a part of it. And I think on the on the practical side, because you, you know that's part of what we're talking about here. Um, for me, it was like I, I was. There was a period of time, uh, especially around my master's and a little bit thereafter. Uh, actually into the, I started a performance certificate first, but I was freelancing a lot. Mm. So I was doing the freelance shuffle and I was mm-hmm. uh, living for a time in, uh, in in Madison, Wisconsin, but then I was living for a, a, a time in, in Evanston, in, uh, north of Chicago. So I was traveling. I was principal of Dubuque Symphony in Wisconsin Chamber Orchestra and, uh, you know, uh, assistant principal of Madison Symphony Orchestra. And I'm, you know, subbing with, you know, Milwaukee. I'm, I'm doing all this. I'm doing all this stuff. And then I'm playing jazz uh, late at night and avant-garde stuff with Roscoe Mitchell. And so I'm doing all this and I'm running around like crazy. And uh, you, you you look at what you're making, you know, and as a, as a freelance musician, um, running around, not affiliated with an orchestra. And I couldn't see myself going through that and mm-hmm. sitting in an orchestra for the rest of my life. I mean, you can still do other things outside the orchestra. I think about Rob Cassinger in that regard. There, there are, you can do other things, but I didn't wasn't really aware of that. And I knew that that, so it was, for me, it was like, okay, I can teach. And I, and I knew that because I had taught already and my parents were teachers and I had something 
Oh, well, I have <laughs> I have them to thank for being here, right? <laughs> they, they're, 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 that, that, that part of my life. And so that was like, yeah, if I then sought a collegiate job, uh, that occupation, I can then choose, I have my, I have my nut. Mm-hmm. And I can choose the kinds of things that 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 I want to do as they as they come. I can't do them perhaps as often as I might like in certain times, mm-hmm. but I can play jazz and do music. And I mean, tonight uh, I, I I go play Mahler too. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you know, that's and that's an what an incredible work, right? So so I think that's I don't know if that quite got to your question, but yeah, you know, it was it, that that's sort of how I came around to that. I guess, yeah. So. One of the things that really intrigues me about the both of you is it's still related to that practicality aspect, but I know whenever I was working with you guys, you were always able to kind of think of a creative approach to making some sort of like actual connection with something theoretically for me or conceptual conceptually um, when we were writing songs or when we were working on soloing with me for for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, I guess both of you have both done that. But <laughs> when we were working on those things, the thing that I appreciate, one of the things I appreciated most was your ability to break it down in a way that me, who primarily started off doing classical music and only classical vocal stuff, breaking that down in a way that was pal- palatable for me, but also I could do something with it, right? It's mm-hmm. just... We'll do these long tones, think of where you're going, do all this sort of stuff, figure out what it feels like. It's not necessarily the entire, this is theory, just do theory and you're fine, right? Mm -hmm. I know when I, for the longest time up until recently, I had had a problem with like writing and arranging for that reason because I would think, what's the right theoretical way to do this sort of (laughs) music? And those become just like what I call um, the music theory project hymns. Uh, kind mm-hmm. of things where you're like, well, this functions, I guess, but it's not good music. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't really move you in a direction. It, you're not really latching onto it. And so, where where along the way did you start to kind of like get into that that part of your teaching and just like sell your own musical selves? Good question. Uh, let me sort of think how I how I would answer that. I mean, I, I came into teaching, uh, first of all, uh, without thinking about teaching. Mm. I was just trying to learn for myself. But I was in college, and I was finding how many other students were coming up to me as a student asking for, like, for lessons. And I thought, well, this is strange because I, I didn't want to be a, a music educator because I mm. thought I really want to – I don't want to just go to college or go to school to learn to turn around and teach this. I want to learn to do it so I can actually – perform it. I mean, I want to do it first, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I really enjoyed sharing what I knew, you know? So, and I thought there must be something about me that's approachable because I'm not throwing this out there and people are just coming up to me, you know? And even one of our professors that, uh, Richard Davis, uh, who he was being approached about vocalists, there were no, there was no vocal jazz program at UNL in, in Madison where I went to school. And he said, I'm going to put a, a little uh, class together and I want you to run it. So I'm an undergrad. It's like, and he's asking me to do this. So there, you know, I start to, you know, I don't have my own uh, at the time. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not thinking uh, strongly of myself, but clearly other people are. So I started to, you know, I just didn't have the confidence, but other people saw that in me. So, Mm. okay, I'm going to share what I know. 
And so I, I did. And the more I did that, the more I thought, I really enjoy teaching. I love enjoying, I love enjoy performing too. Mm-hmm. So I think where where this comes from me is over so many years working with so many individuals, you know, teaching, sharing what I know. And, you know, as teachers, we learn from our students so much. Oh, yeah. So a lot of where I'm coming from is pretty organic. You know, some of it I t- took that I learned from various classes and some of it I learned by, you know, uh, observing other great performers and trying to figure it out for myself because I didn't really have formal jazz education as far as, you know, jazz vocals. So mm-hmm. it was me just figuring it out. What what can I, what can I do? And, you know, all, all of my students in some regard have been a guinea pig, but also a teacher for me, mm-hmm. you know? So you, you go to where the student is and you try to figure out what it is, you know, you listen to them and work with them and share what you hear and listen to what they want. And, and if you're lucky, you, you'll both move forward, mm-hmm. especially but the I, student. I, you know? I want to jump in it because yeah. she, what she's not saying, right? <laughs> what she's not saying, because I, I have, I have an advantage in the house because as students come to the house for lessons, so I hear her teach, mm-hmm. but she doesn't come to the university and listen to a bass lesson. <laughs> Occasionally there'll be somebody who comes to you, but, but, but rarely, right? Uh-huh. So, um, uh, she's creative in every aspect of her life. Mm. Um, she was working uh, in flower shops and and making things, uh, her her gardening chops. She is um, exceptionally creative. And so I think that that uh, and super energetic. And I think that those two things where you are able to think and see in different ways and see stuff uh, and move and, and create, that becomes a real, real motivating factor, not just for herself, but if you're working with a student that's having a problem with a particular thing and you have a creative spirit, you're going to think creatively about how you can solve that and how you can share solutions or ideas about how to get the student to grow in this yeah, way and so on. That's I think true. This is a- yeah, I don't think I'm limited by any formal education at I don't think that way. Well, and her and her you know? and, and people yeah. don't necessarily learn that way. True. There isn't just like okay, this is the theory book or this is the theory of right. 18th century, 19th century, 20th century. You know. But the pe- the people also mean, who mm-hmm. who who uh, uh, who she was very influenced by. She she mentioned the name Richard Davis. Mm-hmm. Richard just died last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, amazing bass player. He's an uh, an NEA jazz master uh, mm. bassist. Uh, teacher, but but he played everything. He was going to be the first uh, a black musician hired by a major symphony orchestra. He won the audition for the St. Louis Symphony. They offered him the job, yeah. but he was touring with Sarah Vaughan at the time and was making more money, <laughs> right? So, uh, but he he recorded with with Sarah Vaughan, with Freddie Hubbard, uh, with, with straight we'd say straight ahead musicians, but also with avant garde musicians like uh, like Andrew Hill and Eric Dolphy, um, mm-hmm. but also in popular music, he recorded with Bruce Springsteen and, and Van Morrison and Astro works but also subbed with the new york philharmonic i mean so oh, yeah. he was like he yeah, so he, he was a he was do my, it all kind of guy and we were thinking yeah yeah and so that, <laughs> that was that was a great role model oh, yeah. for me as a college student well and then, and then well, when he can do it all i can do it all mm-hmm. right exactly and that was yeah. what i sought to that was what i sought that was my inspiration what i sought to do and then yeah. also for jackie when when she uh, left and stepped out uh, professionally um she started working with mel ryan uh, Mel Ryan, uh, if, if you're a, if you're a jazz fan, you will know the West Montgomery Trio, the, the great jazz guitar player. Well, Mel Ryan was the organist in the West Montgomery Trio. Oh. It, was, it was guitar, organ, and drums. Mm. And uh, she worked 
uh, at the uh, the Wyndham uh, Hotel. At the Wyndham in Hotel in Milwaukee was five nights a week. Yeah, four nights a week for about four years. Man, yeah, and so that's. So I'm working with this great musician, and boy, that was like some of the best education ever in front of an audience. You know, mm -hmm. so you I'd learn like you just working it. I'd learn a new tune a week. That's oh like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and boy, that's where my whole repertoire came from. You know, oh, that yeah. period of time where I was paid to learn more music. You know. See, that's awesome. Yeah. I, this makes me think of something that I personally really wish I had more opportunity. Well, I, I do okay with having the opportunity to do so, but I think it's more that I wish I had learned more about this opportunity earlier, that mm -hmm. it's a great opportunity to learn and grow quickly when you're actually gigging. <laughs> and, oh yeah, the, pre the pressure's on. Yeah, It'll, right, it'll right, put right. you in that spot, tight spot real quick. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest things that I really want to get to my students or to anyone that I like talk with and work with is saying, hey, look, this is something that school doesn't always necessarily give you, but it will really help you a ton to do this, whether it be in tandem or separate from or whatever, to mm -hmm. a more scholastic academic-based education. You'll learn so much. You'll learn about the like, reality of like what's going on <laughs> out there if you're trying to perform especially yeah. that's a huge thing mm -hmm. um and short of me making this very gripey sounding i think it would be really great to see more of that be incentivized i think even in school um in one way or another it's something that i really i really love and i think a lot of people just really resonate with it especially people that are now trying to find new ways to implement musicianship that are going to require like things like making videos or right. recording in studio or just recording at home. Everyone can record at home now. Like, Right. And it's great to listen yeah. back and hear yourself. You're going to be your best teacher. Right. Well, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the Academy for Music specifically mm -hmm. uh, and what's happened both in terms of, um, here's my $5 word, codification <laughs> of... Uh, a jazz education, but also classical education. Our 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 schools of music across the country, with some exceptions, um, are based on the uh, early, really early twentieth century. It's, it's I say late nineteenth, but early twentieth century conservatory model, mm -hmm. where you go in and you you know you you study this way, and here are your classes, and they and they divide it up because they had to because they had so many students, and you have to yeah. So that that made sense made sense for that time. And in jazz education was the same thing. Bearing in mind that, you know, in theory, as we say, it's a rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're describing stuff that's already happened. And now, you, you, but you need to create stuff that's going to resonate with you. Yeah. So there is a push right now. And there's, there's, there's a push here at UNL and many other places to try to open up the academy. Why is it in, uh, for instance, for me, the question I ask is, why do you have to, uh, sing a song, classical song or whatever, or play a uh, acoustic musical instrument in order to enter a school of music. Mm -hmm. Why can't a laptop be your instrument uh, or a, a, a video camera song? Why can't That's we begin to build this together? And mm -hmm. So I think that becomes very interesting, especially oh, yeah. with the Carson, the Carson Center for Emerging Media here now, mm -hmm. but also uh, in terms of where the, where the school of, of music is, is moving. I know some of my colleagues... Um, can get nervous about this because mm -hmm. they've been doing this thing and they're wondering, am I going to be able to continue to, to, 
to teach this thing. Yeah. Is there a place for me? But I, it's this is not a this is not a, a switch. It's not an either or proposition. Mm-hmm. I think it's they could get very excited about the possibility of you know really collaborating. What what you bring to the table as a classical vocalist, for instance, mm-hmm. in this setting with with video and other. Ex- I mean, right. th- th- there there are things that you can't even begin to imagine because mm-hmm. you haven't. And so for this, the, 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 I, I say it's, it's the disco ball of pedagogy. Oh yeah. Right. So it's, it's the, you got the mirrored ball, you got, you got a light hitting it. That's you. And then how many different ways can you see and think and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Oh yeah. And that's one thing that I think is really, really cool. That idea of it's not necessarily either or, but more so both. And, right. um, there's just so much mm-hmm. opportunity available and I, I've been of the mindset for a while now that Rather than thinking about what do we have to cut, what do we have to move away, what do we have to do to add in something new, so make a just one-for-one replacement, it's more, I think one of the best ways to approach it is, what is this student, what is this individual trying to gain, and where are they trying to go? Where are they headed? And how can we best equip them for that direction Mm -hmm. and help them leverage their skill sets and all of these sort of things? I mean, my own interests have varied wildly even in my, even in this DMA degree so that they've evolved as oh yeah they've evolved massively um mm-hmm. and I think from looking outside people might go what are you doing how are you why are you doing this aren't you trying to do like weren't you trying to do that before exactly like what what <laughs> is not this exactly I know what I could even say three years ago, but let's say five years ago Mm -hmm. when I was considering doing my DMA, I said, you know, I want to teach collegiately most specifically because I love working with everyone on every level. And that gives you the most versatility versatility to do so because you can teach at a college, a high school, at an elementary school, move in between, you can go wherever. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that for myself... One, I want to do that everywhere. And two, I want to be able to do that all at the same time. And the only way to really, in my mind, do that all at the same time is to put this education out there so that people can just go find it and go experience it through video. That's that's my, that's my direction that I went that's with. That's great. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of opportunities that I've run into now, especially going through a master's and a doctorate that have allowed me to say, you know, these are great tools to use from the school that now I have to spin a different direction than what they may have originally been intended even. Because, I mean, who's <laughs> who's thinking, okay, this person's trying to produce music educational videos, produce music theory videos that are engaging, that are actually both informative for young kids that don't know anything about music much at all, adults who don't know anything about music, people that do know something about music, right? How is this going to actually connect with them and really push it forward. No, no one's necessarily thinking about that except me and some other people, right? And <laughs> but that's not necessarily what's going to be in the structure. So mm-hmm. the greatest skill that I think is gleaned in school, one of them, is being able to find and work with mentors, yeah. because then you're able to more directed in a more direct manner go in that direction for whatever it is that the student is trying to do. Because some are trying to just teach. Um, and not just teach, but like some of them are trying to teach and they really want to get good at doing that. Some of them want to just play and they want to get really good at doing that. Some of them want to do both. Some want to do different levels of either one or something totally different. Right. How do we make that 
how do we help them to be the best they can be in that regard? I think that's great. Right. And I think, I think there, there, there are other ways to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember working with uh, Nick Brignola. Nick is one of these, uh, he's a bebop killer, but he's a, he was a studio musician because he, he played every woodwind instrument. Mm -hmm. I mean, he played uh, flute, clarinet. So he was known for his baritone sax playing as a jazz player, but he, 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 he played everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he had gone to Berkeley on a, on a scholarship and, and he said, wow, the, the, I mean, he's, he's, he came in to give a, um, a clinic at a university, uh, during one of these, one of these outreach sessions. And he, he said, well, he said, you know, truth be told, the only thing I ever got out of Berkeley was hanging out at the Coke machine and just getting high, you know, it's like, Oh, it's not really helpful. Yeah. Right. Um, for the, but, but, you know, I, I think part of that is that whole thing about, about the life experience with, within, um, within an institution, you know, of course you're, you're dealing with the limitations of the institution financially and in terms of the facilities and so on. When you're opening up to the, to a video world, just reaching out mm -hmm. that, that changes. I think one of the things that interests me about how that's organized or how that's put together is I use an analogy a lot with the students about a funnel where you go out to the edge of the funnel, the broadest part of the funnel. And you say, what is it? Like you're asking yourself now, what is it that I want to do mm -hmm. and how do I want to do it? Can I, can I bring a philosophy to bear on my thought process and so on? And then it's like where you point the other end of the funnel to to what you're doing. In Jackie's case, we're thinking about, it, it just occurred to me, you know, here she's, you know, doing flower arranging or, 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 or gardening, or whatever. She's got this idea of what, how she wants to be creative. And she's pointing that at, at this mm -hmm. or, or at something else. Um, it's hard. Uh, it becomes very, very difficult, uh, to be everything for everybody. And you took the classes of, uh, the, the, the jazz theory class mm -hmm. and the, the jazz improvisation class, which are what we call taught with classes. Yeah. So they're undergraduates in the same class, uh, with, uh, doctoral students in jazz studies. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm supposed to teach jazz theory and jazz improvisation to, 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 to both levels of students. Now I, I create module ideas and I try to encourage the graduate students, but I have this limitation in the class. Mm -hmm. And so there are going to be times where the undergraduates are going to get crushed by uh, George Russell. On the <laughs> other hand, you know, there, there, there are times that, that it's, it's okay. The, the, the graduate students are going to get bored because uh -huh. I need to, I need to address some of these other yeah. issues. So it's difficult to be everything for everybody all the time, Yes, but mm -hmm. how, how you can get that idea, that philosophy going, and then to be able to, uh, send that down the chute, whatever the topic is and address it to to different levels or different interests so that people can grab what they can grab. Oh yeah. And I think like the nice thing is too, that you don't have to know everything all at once right. at any given moment. And so it's nice to be able to say, well, I'm flooded with this information. Let me come back to it later because it'll still be there. It'll still be available for you to learn. I mean, mm -hmm. I can look back and say, okay, I think now I'm ready to watch some of these Barry Harris videos that I've seen and be like, oh, I Take get, it in. Yeah. I get what to do. I, mm -hmm. that's well, takes, a great yeah, opportunity. It takes time for some of this knowledge. You know, you're given the knowledge, you're presented the knowledge or whatever. I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. I heard this from many teachers. I, I was very influenced by Lowell Kreitz, who was a, a cellist. And he said, the problem we have in the States, mm. as opposed to Europe, where he, where he did his, his study is, you know, you do your four years undergraduate and then you go to a master's and you probably went someplace else. 
And then you studied with somebody else for a couple of years. And then you went off and then you did your doctorate and you studied with somebody else for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And they said, it's not enough time. You know, if, if you really want to get everything that that person has to share, you know, the more typical sort of really old school, you know, thinking about Germanic and Klaus Trump and some of those guys. Yeah, you went to live in his house. Mm -hmm. And you got, a, you got a lesson in the morning and you did some housework and then you practiced and blah, blah, blah. And then you got another lesson. And if you didn't know what you were supposed to learn by that, but you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you, you're, you're, you are actually living the life with the mentor it becomes, but that's in a, in an academic setting, wow, well, we, how we work it. That's not, that's yeah. not really possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was interesting. Yeah. That's definitely kind of, I think what's really cool about even that idea is that there's opportunity back to that both and the sort of idea mm -hmm. to still find ways to make that plausible to do now. Mm -hmm. I think especially now more than ever, there's opportunities all over the place to especially look at older models of teaching, education, performance, whatever. I mean, patronage has started to come back in a different way. I think a lot more similar to the idea of like, you're going to have Beethoven just sitting and he has patrons that are paying for him. That sort of mentality has come with the advent of things like Patreon online for right, people right. and all of these sort of crowdfunding and subscription sort of things that any one individual can do. And they can just say, hey, I want to work. I want to do this. Now it's easier than ever for anyone to get commissions or to directly work with someone. And I think that's a great opportunity to look and say, okay, how can we make this, how can we spin this to work now? You know, that's a really mm -hmm. great opportunity. Um, I think another thing though that I was just thinking about was getting to where you are now and mentorship. What are some key things that you've learned across the way of mentorship, both being mentors and being mentees? Like who are influential mentors for you as well? Mm. Or have been whatever, yeah. Well, we, we visited one of mine this summer. Oh, yeah. Fr Fr Francois Rabat. Uh, uh, he, has, he has a stronger relationship with a singular, you know, mentor. Mm. But, I, but I've had mentors before. So mm -hmm. when I sp speak about numbers of years, uh, I've studied in, in high school and I'm studying bass with two bassists when they were available. I, we, I lived in central Pennsylvania, grew up in central Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And I would go to Pittsburgh to work with Tony Bianco, who was the principal there for a time at Carnegie Mellon. And then I would go to Ferdinand Marish, who was actually, it was, he was a bass player with Philadelphia Orchestra, but he was actually uh, more interested in steamboats, hmm. which is very, very funny, very creative guy. So I worked, I, I worked with them, but it wasn't until later when I, when I was with, with Richard, when I landed with Richard and, and understood what that was about. And I spent 10 years there. So I spent, a, a, you know, I finished my undergraduate there and uh, I, I freelanced for a few years in between. I went and did my master's with him and I continued, continued to study with him. And then I, so I had for, for, you know, for, for, for a longer period of time. And then with, same with Jeff Bradetich then at, at, at Northwestern, I spent a bunch of time with him and he had a very particular pedagogy. He had studied with a cellist, very unlike the bass pedagogy. And then um, uh, later had the opportunity to study with Francois Rabat, who I, thought very, very highly of, but was uh, uh, intensely nervous to, to play in front of. <laughs> and so I went as a student uh, uh, to this clinic, this, this program, it was called the, yeah, the International Institute, uh, put together by, um, by George Vance. Uh, and George said, but I know you're teaching. 
I know you're teaching at a university level. You should come and be come and be a teacher. I said, yeah, but no, no. I said, but no, but I want, I want to be a I teacher. Want to I, 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 want, I, want, I want to come as a student and, and work with Francois. And, and George said, hey, everybody who comes here is a student of Francois. Oh. I mean, it was like, that's the way it was. And that's said, the level here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Francois, Francois heard me play. And the first thing he said, why, why you play like that? You need to come to Paris to study with me. I'm like, Okay, there's the invitation. <laughs> the but we've been, we've been working together over 20 years. Hmm. Uh, and so we, we saw him this summer. He's 92 now. He's still playing. He just just played a um, played a recital in Domaine Forge in, in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, 75-minute recital from memory with a, one of his sons who accompanies him on piano. Mm-hmm. Another son is a professional juggler. Uh, works as a show out in out in Vegas, uh, absolutely Man. crazy show. Yeah, so the the jug his one son was juggling and the other was playing piano. It's, you talk about a wild creative, but self taught. Yeah. You know, grew, grew up in Syria, you know, and mm. he he says, uh, uh, I can say I was the the best bass player in Aleppo. <laughs> I was the only bass player in Aleppo. <laughs> but he was he was somebody who inspired uh, a lot of a lot of things. I'll just share one sh- short story because I, 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 Jackie may be, may be mulling this over, but you know he had these books that had come out with his technique because when he hit the scene, nobody had played the bass like him before. His imagination was, what he did was so revolutionary for the instrument, both for the bow, the seven families of bow strokes, and for the, for the left hand. Hmm. There were, th- in a traditional bass, but there was 13 positions just to get to the octave on one string. And then they called the rest of the bass thumb position, one position for the <laughs> other half of the bass. Francois divided everything up by the harmonics, by the overtone series, on the open string, six positions for everything, hmm. to play everything. Just absolutely brilliant. But it, speaking about, you know, this kind of propagating ideas, sharing ideas with people, you know, the books, that was what you learned. You learned from a method book, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so he had, you know, 200 different bowing types, variations for these exercises. And some of them were like a long slur with dots. Hmm. You know, so you know, I'm like, well, what does that sound like? I don't know what that sounds like. I don't know what that looks like. I'm looking at the book. I'm trying to do this. So I'm in yeah. France. I'm working with him and I'm getting frustrated. And he's getting frustrated with me getting frustrated. <laughs> and uh, finally, he's, 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 he says to me, you know, I'm afraid that uh, I'm going to die without being able to share my bow arm. Mm. And I was like, that's so heavy. And I get on the plane to fly back and there's a problem with the plane and uh, we have to wait. We're sitting on the plane. And I ask for a magazine and uh, they, they bring me a golf magazine. And uh, so we're, we're talking about this like 2000. Uh, uh, open up the golf magazine. And it's an article about the brand new just came out Tiger Woods video game. Hmm. And so here you see Tiger on the links with that beautiful swing. Then you see him in a skin tight black suit with reflective markers. And they're taking high speed uh, biomechanics animation capture. Mm. And then you see the, the animation of the screen. And I, I had an epiphany. It was like... If they can do this for this, for this game, uh, it, it's it, the bow. It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's 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 right. the bow arm, and so it turns out that at at, at Ball State, so that was uh, wow. I went back to where I was teaching Ball State at the time. They had a human performance laboratory. Mm. These guys were into uh, geriatric gait studies, watching old people walk and trying to keep them from falling. <laughs> but then they were also into skiers and they had and doing videos with, you know, so it was really interesting stuff. And so I made a cold call, a graduate student answered the phone and said, I said, well, would you be interested in trying something? He said, wow, it sounds really interesting because arts and technology, we, we have never done anything like this. Why don't you 
bring over what what's that thing the bass yeah bring that thing over <laughs> so i made this they made this little video and they, they exported it and i had it on my had it on my phone and i get back to paris and 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 i show it to francois and francois says he sees a little it's the biomechanic animation and he looks at me and he says why your bow still move like that <laughs> <laughs> but that we, we wound up making um uh, a pair of DVDs yeah, over 10 two years. DVDs. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, with biomechanics animations, user selectable camera angles, uh, all of that based upon that, that because he got, he got, he that got hot. Inspiration. He, based yeah. upon that inspiration. Yeah, he flew over here, they went out to California, they, you know, it was, it was a, and, it was and, a and, major uh, project. Jackie, Jackie's uh, brother, Randy, who, who was just here uh, last night, he was the videographer. And, and, oh, yeah. and so we, we shot it at, at, at Ball State, but putting all that stuff together, Apple says, yes, you can do multiple camera angles. Mm -hmm. You call up the the tech. Uh, I, I, yes, you can do that. But, <laughs> see, nobody's telling us how. Yeah. Right? It's just like, <laughs> yeah. But it was it was it was it was it was quite a process. Now, I mean, now we're at a place where DVDs are not so much a thing, although they still, you know, mm -hmm. they still are going out there. Ball State supported it, so now I need to find a way because as you're as you're referencing, it's the internet that's getting everything out to everybody. That's mm -hmm. like the great in that's the great encyclopedia for everybody. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. just so much. One of the things that I really like too about that story, because it just blew my mind as soon as I realized where you were going with that, that's like, it's so cool that, especially now, the ability to motion capture and to record all of this stuff is easier than ever too. Right. Like, I mean, we have a facility at UNL to do all of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> we can really do it. We can do it very intricately. You can, there's, it also reminded me of, uh, a friend of mine, Morgan Cowell, I don't know if you know him, has a piano shop here in town. Oh, yeah. 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 And so he was telling me about these newer pianos that have electronics built into them. So they're also MIDI, but also acoustic pianos. Cool. And oh. he was telling me that there's just so many great opportunities for, like, piano lessons. You can literally watch as your teacher is showing you the excerpts or watch as your student is showing you what they're playing as well. Or you can record exactly what the performance was like down to every little bit because it's right there in the keys. You can program the MIDI to trigger lights so you can have a light show going interactively with your, with your music. All of this sort of stuff and more is just a great availability to what's out mm -hmm. there and what now exists with this technology. And so there's a really great place, I think, for both the connection of music and technology, but in all sorts of different ways, music and you name it, mm -hmm. to be able to bridge those connections, really find new ways of teaching more effectively, of performing more creatively, of teaching more creatively, of doing so many different things. And I really, I just absolutely love that. That's something that I really love seeing and love getting into, especially myself, because I know mm -hmm. there's just so many, there's so many different ways you can approach doing music. Exactly. It's yeah. infinite. Yeah, right. And so you- There's freedom there. Exactly. You know? right. And so you can you can literally do whatever and there's never going to be a, one, right way to do it. And two, there's never going right. to be something that, where everything has already been done. Like everything may have been done, but not exactly like this. So you're going to mm -hmm. find a new way to do this or a new way to do that. I mean, even talking to like going and actually- just performing professionally, gigging and like doing, recording records and all this sort of stuff. Like, what is, what have you seen as being like changes to that even from 
Oh. While you have been and were doing it to now, enough to take off your glasses. Well, <laughs> well, it's it's it, it's a mess right now. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, the uh, traditional ways of musicians of recording musicians making money. You, you you make a record, no matter how it goes. I mean, I can remember when the record companies came out with this whole thing they were touting, is it's gonna be good for everybody. We got these 360, they called 360 deals, mm. which means that oh, yeah. uh, the record company now was also gonna take care of your your merchandising and your market. Because like, that's where the money was. You and then yeah. you, you take you take away another uh, another stream of, of income. And now, you know, right. if, you, if you record uh, a cover tune, uh, for uh, streaming, um, the statutory rates that you have to pay uh, as a regular person through Harry Fox is you have to pay a penny a stream. Mm. That's how much you have to pay. <laughs> that, 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 gets, that goes back to the writers of the tune. Make a penny a stream. Right. So, so, so <laughs> you, you have to pay. Mm -hmm. you, you have to pay the, the copyright, a penny a stream. Spotify pays what, seven one-hundredths of a cent per stream? <laughs> so you're down 93%. Yeah, you're paying to play. You're paying you to play. There's no mm -hmm. income there. Yeah. You're right. losing money. It's, it's, it's impossible. There yeah. are, of course, the, you know, the Taylor Swifts of the world that, that leverage, you know, that, that's another thing. But, you know, you look, at, you look at that model and you say, well, how is it possible that uh, uh, this, this model, the Spotify or whatever, you know, stream model, you know, the CEO of the company is, 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 is driving a Lamborghini and has all this money. That money's coming from somewhere, mm -hmm. right? It, clearly the profit sharing is not, is, is not correct. So that's a mess right now. And, and what that has done is, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm on my soapbox here, <laughs> but what, what this has done is it has made it feel like music should be free. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this music history. When you wanted to hear music back in the day, I mean, back in the day, you had to go where the musicians were, mm -hmm. and you had to pay them in, yep. order, in order to play. But right. Now you 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 go to the restaurant, you go to your mm -hmm. bank, you go wherever it is, and you're hearing yeah. you're, you're hearing tunes, and right. musicians aren't getting paid for that. It's it's a, it's for me, it's a, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's that's it's frustrating. Yeah, I think this this is actually one of the key reasons why I think the patronage thing is really starting to come back, and people are selling like with people trying to bring vinyls back, making them, <laughs> and all of this sort of stuff. Because along the way, people have started to realize that the idea of the streaming and of the like 360, all everything in that realm, right, mm -hmm. actually doesn't go as directly to the musician as yeah. people would assume that it would outside right. of the space. Um, and, and especially, this is something I spoke of with Cameron, our producer, right, <laughs> about... You could find a hundred or a thousand people that like you pretty easily nowadays. It's mm -hmm. not that hard because of the internet. If right. each of those people is willing to buy an actual album from you, boom, that's way easier than it was before. And so it almost makes yeah. it to the point where streaming it on Spotify or wherever else really doesn't seem like the greatest of propositions anymore, right. for sure. Because if I can record in my house, in my whatever home studio, all of this sort of stuff, it cost me maybe a couple hundred bucks if I really needed to buy the all of the equipment and buy the software or whatever to record, or if I just have a friend who's already got it or whatever. Yeah, you, you know right? somebody with a studio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like it's much easier to get in there, do that recording, do something that's still quite solid, right, for fairly little, and then you don't have to pay to 
make the CD copies or anything. You just say... Well, that's true. You, you know... Yeah. You say, There's hey. The, I yeah. see the, the, the negative and positive of that. And, and mm -hmm. some of us are just maybe thinking too old school. Like I perform and and uh, here's here's a representation mm -hmm. of some a project I've done. It's a CD. Yeah. Or, you know, um, we still find ourselves making them. Oh, yeah. But it, it's they're hard to sell because people don't play them. Oh, yeah. You know? And no cars have <laughs> CD players anymore exactly. and all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, people, people, yeah. Will, people will occasionally buy them at live shows because they mm. want to take a souvenir home. Yes, exactly. Yes. And or it becomes a souvenir themselves. rather than something Yeah, yeah it's, 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 nice, it's, it's a little big for a coaster, mm. but it's, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it'll do <laughs> in right, a pinch. Right. But, like, I think that's one of the things that – because I – I definitely see people coming back to wanting to have like a collection of something to actually listen to. I think part of it is because of the streaming thing. A lot, people don't necessarily realize until it's kind of too late that you lose your internet connection for whatever reason, you can't listen to any of your music now. Right. Like, <laughs> unless you just so happen to download it or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you have a CD, as long as you don't break it, right? Or as long as it doesn't get all scratched up or whatever. Eh, it's almost like yeah. the model of putting things on iTunes for you to buy the album on and put it on your iPod was the just the right go-between because it wasn't necessarily a stream, but you still had the music yourself. The right. artists were still able to make way more. Like if you buy an mm -hmm. album off of iTunes for, of an artist, you're making way more than you would if you streamed mm -hmm. that same album. Like, yeah, so much more. <laughs> the thing, you know, I, I, right. I'm just, I'm just happy to see vinyl coming back mm -hmm. because for me, that that really was where it was at. I mean, first of all, you know, it's 22 minutes aside, so it's that's like a perfect listening amount of time. And mm -hmm. then you got to flip it, you got to get it, you got to interact with it. Oh yeah. But also the vinyl, you the artwork. Oh yeah. You know, you, you have you have this right, big you, you, one of the yeah, coolest things. You you, you have a, a you know a. a you know, uh, um, I've got the Headhunters album. Uh, oh, love it! Yeah, but, and, 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 <laughs> and, 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 cool and then all the information. Mm -hmm. You know, right. uh, yeah. about room the for artists, lyrics or mm -hmm. something about the artist. Right, yeah. right. Yes, and you, you with streaming, you you don't have anything. Mm -mm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite thing while listening. I was like, I'd be looking at all these cool pictures mm -hmm. or reading the lyrics, and it's like, oh, that's what they're actually saying. And who, that's who, what the, who, you know, who, or they have an interview with the artist. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, there's so many cool opportunities, and I think like. That's, again, one of the reasons I think it's coming back for sure, because mm -hmm. people, even without necessarily realizing it, are real or being aware of it, are realizing that that's something really cool to have. It's more informative to an extent. You're really more invested into that piece of music, to that whole thing. And it's a win-win for, <laughs> for the artist and the person that's listening as well. So it's really, really right. cool to be able to in interact with that stuff. Mm -hmm. I... I really love it, and I really like just – it kind of goes to that what's happened before is just happening again. We just move in cycles. We move and we see mm, that didn't necessarily work. It kind of was to some extent in some ways better before. How do we kind of blend right. these right, things together? Right. Yeah. You know, that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. I it think is worth sure. noting, and it's playing the devil's advocate, but, you know, I – I don't like to see things end up in landfills. Mm -hmm, and true. I see all these old jewel cases, you mm -hmm. know, for the CDs that just get scratched up and broken and, and you try to ship them and sometimes it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. You know, they get damaged. And the stuff that you don't like anymore, I mean, some people may resell, but this mm -hmm. ends up in the landfill, yeah. you know, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know? it's a, it's a, It's always that weird, difficult trade <laughs> of what, mm -hmm. are, what are you losing 
and at what cost, really? Yeah, but I can see. I mean, I, I could see yeah. a model. Here's a, here's a model for you. Mm-hmm. Somebody get out there and run with this. You know, uh, <laughs> what happens if uh, when you uh, when you hit the stream mm-hmm. uh, that then you have immediately an access to this information and mm-hmm. and and this cover of the record and mm-hmm. and so on. So it becomes a a, a more mm-hmm. you know holistic way of of, yeah. of of seeing the artist of getting in touch with the artist i mean i guess you can run and go and try to find it on the on the website mm-hmm. but you know i i, I don't know i don't know i, I this is a yeah. this is a, a nutty problem yeah. yeah i think yeah it's it's definitely weird i think there's somewhere in there for an opportunity of something like mixing in like youtube interview or something something like that but make it very easy to access and direct towards. Right, right. That's that's the mm-hmm. thing. Just making it a more seamless sort of experience. Because I think especially we have so many opportunities to see interviews with all these different artists all the time. And like old ones, new ones, all of this. You get to like watch them and you get to really connect with them. But making it a very low barrier to entry to be able to just say, I'm checking out this stream. Boom, here's the... Here's a video interview of them, right? Mm-hmm. Here's here's their website if you want. Like, right? Like these sort of different interactions are really great opportunities to be able to do that sort of thing. Because I think also like no one's gonna, because of the way things are now, people aren't just gonna memorize every website for every artist that they know. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and be like, all right, I'm gonna listen to this and I'm gonna go to this website and I'm gonna listen to this, go to this website. Right. It's definitely much easier to find it all in one place. Right? Yeah, otherwise they would have gone to the website in the first place. A hundred percent. To go listen to their music. But like, that's why you have music, that's why we have had slash have music shops. Like, it's the same sort of idea, right? right? Because you would go to the music shop and you would see all the records, you would see all the albums right. and all this stuff, right. and you'd be like, oh, this is cool, and they'd be playing one of them. Oh, or I, something. Yeah, I remember like, back what? in the day in, in, in Madison, I can't remember the name of the, uh, I'm, 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 mm-hmm. I'm disappointed in myself, I can't remember the name of the store, but... Um, uh, when the new record would break, mm-hmm. and uh, they would say, "Okay, the, the new record becomes available," you know, at eleven. It was always late at night, eleven <laughs> o'clock, and there'd be a line out the door. Everybody going up to to mm-hmm. to, to, to get the album and, and and take it home, and that was a thing, you know. And you, oh, yeah. you're talking, looking. Uh, oh, in Chicago, uh, we, there was a place that uh, sold jazz record mart, jazz and they, record mart. they would have yeah. live performances. So mm-hmm. when we had a CD that came out. Was about to come out. We actually would perform. They had a space, and then we performed live. That's super awesome. And it was like doing a CD release. How smart of them in the store, <laughs> and they would. Oh, hey, you get a gear album signed, your record signed, you know, That's and then you could awesome. check out all this other music. Yeah, it was a great idea. There was, there was a. You, yeah. it, it just popped into my head when you're talking about you know the the Spotify stream and hitting the website, and having these options pop up. It was short lived, but it was called CD Plus. Mm. And uh, it, the CD had, if you put the CD in your computer, right? So you, you could listen to the CD and so on. But then it had uh, video links, and uh, so so it you, you it, it gave you that more uh, mm-hmm. that kind of larger experience. But it was short lived, and I think partly because you know the the audio of the computers, you know that that time was not was not great. And if you oh, want to yeah. hear a CD and you really, you know, and want high high quality audio, that's not that's not going to be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think that's the thing that this now makes me think about is just, again, these are great opportunities to kind of look at a new approach to being a musician now, right? Um, And really how to make it something that, because it's grown way more accessible, right? But with the greater accessibility, I think a lot of people just 
don't necessarily know how to leverage that to a point of, for me, I that's why I call this music currency, right? You have the two two sides of that being how to be a musician now, but then how to actually live as a musician, how to make make a living right. as a musician. That's, that's how to get your music idea. out yeah. there mm -hmm. yeah. and how to be, in, yeah, there's so much to it. How to continue to be inspired to make good music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like there's lots of opportunities, but I think the directions that people have to go, like to know how do I find this audience of people when like I'm not going to be able to go to a record store and play the new place songs off my new album right how am i going to actually be able to get the community involved build a community um without just relying on putting them out yeah. on youtube and hoping that maybe one day someone might stumble upon it or really the algorithm will be like hey you know what this is what everyone needs to see at 3 a.m like this is <laughs> <laughs> so, right, right, what, right, how do you right like i it makes me think of venues is another real real big thing that i've wanted to see a new, uh, not necessarily a fully new approach to, but I want to see more like performance venues. And I think a wider variety of them. Well, and I think, I think we yeah. can think, you know, it, it, in, in, in my world, in the bass world, I'll hold up uh, uh, Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Goldstein as, as, as an example. Uh, very creative bass player. Um, back in the day, uh, there were three professional orchestras in Florida. And then uh, Michael Tilson Thomas, the great conductor from San Francisco, came and started the New World Orchestra. Mm -hmm. And this was a training orchestra. So these were, the, the orchestra was made up of students that had recently graduated, undergraduate, more typically masters, who were uh, orchestral level trying to get their, their audition chops together to go and play. So it was very good. It was young. It was exciting. It was Michael Tilson Thomas. He's talking about patronage. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not saying this than that. I'm not saying there's a causality, but... Uh, two of the orchestras folded mm. and then that they kind of banded together the musicians some made the cut some didn't and so now you have one orchestra that then for a time played in three different cities the same orchestra would play the same program <laughs> but the politics and and that that thing that happened when everybody lost their jobs uh caused a lot of strife and 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 lloyd was one who made the cut but was not happy uh, mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the situation. And so he said, I, I, I've had it. I quit. And, uh, his wife had a job, so he was cool, but, uh, financially they were okay, but he didn't, he, he didn't have a venue. And so he started taking his base, uh, to the coffee shop at a hospital down mm -hmm. the street just to play, just to play some tunes. And, and, and a nurse approached him and said, Hey, you know, there is a thing called, uh, a, a professional practitioner. Hmm. And, and Lloyd was like, well, what's, what's that? She said, well, you get yeah. training and then you play in the hospital. You play for patients. That's cool. And Lloyd was like, yeah. He was like, I, I, that sounds like, I mean, what a beautiful job. Well, so he went through the process. He got the training. So he takes his upright double acoustic bass and he works for the Moffitt Cancer Center. Mm. And he goes from bedside to bedside and he's trained. So he has a, um, a whole repertoire of tunes that he does. Some are familiar. Some are original, some are classical, but he tries to gauge what that person would like to hear, uh, how they're feeling and so on. And it's a cancer center. And sometimes mm -hmm. people live and sometimes you, the bed's empty anyhow. You don't mm -hmm. know what's, what's, what, what's happened. So it's very, it's very powerfully moving and so on. It's a really meaningful job, mm -hmm. but it's not the kind of job that leaps to mind as yeah. an occupation, as a musician, you know, mm -hmm. when you're thinking about, right. well, I'm going to go down and play Duffy's, you know. Mm -hmm. And what can be more significant? Yeah. You know, you know that you're a one-on-one -on -one concert with someone that 
probably really needs that. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I love. I mean, that's one of the other things that I think speaks to the other side of currency. Actually, it speaks to both of them, but mm-hmm. that there are so many different opportunities to perform or to work as musicians that are perfectly viable. Um, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know about them, of course. (laughs) And I think Mm -hmm. providing opportunity for people to learn about them is great because there's going to be some people that definitely would be like, I want to work towards doing that. I want to go and be the person that plays in the hospital in a cancer ward and all of this stuff. But how do I get there? Like what... Who do I even How talk to? How do I make to, that happen? Right. right? Like I, mm-hmm. and like, to be fair, they may not even know it exists, so they will never even get to the point of going, how do uh, I get there? Right. Right. After this podcast. <laughs> they don't have that entrepreneurial yeah. spirit, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, just thinking, okay, uh, how do you, how, how can I make that work? Yeah. And just yeah. Yeah. take oh, a step yeah. and see where no, it leads gonna, you. They're, they're going to hear this podcast yeah. and everybody's going to run out. And exactly. Gonna, There's going to be too many now. Lloyd, LloydGoldstein.com. <laughs> everybody's everybody's, everybody's going to go, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But I, I really, I love that sort of a thing. I mean, it makes me think of when I heard about being like arts admin sort of person. Like this mm-hmm. is a skill set that you can develop and have that is mm-hmm. not necessarily talked of a lot. You just kind of end up in it a lot, <laughs> often. Um, but I think these different opportunities for different jobs, uh, being music adjacent is what I like to call it. Just you know music stuff. You're very familiar with it. But you know what? You decided to start start a restaurant. But you want this restaurant. I spoke with a, a friend about this of like making a making a restaurant that is focused on like the style of like theater in the round. So it's meant to be a place where you actually have actors come and perform surrounded by all the people that are actually there to eat, but also to see a show, but also they can interact. You can have a jazz performance. You can have a whatever. You can have small mm-hmm. classical ensembles performing. Just have a, a small space. center, a stage right in the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, this is a really cool like venue that people could like mm-hmm. work in and be able to like work on new music, work like, be able to actually do this stuff somewhere that people will already be going to, essentially. <laughs> I mean, right. it's why so many musicians play at bars, like, and have forever because of that reason. You're mm-hmm. going to be there. That's how people are just going to stumble upon someone. They'll be right. like, how do I get more get more of that? And so I'm always thinking, what are some different ways to make that happen? What are ways that maybe have existed before, again, that maybe could be revitalized even because people sometimes right. just don't think about it. Or look I mean, at other models yeah. that are like that, that are successful and how could you take that? I, we know a good friend of ours, bass player, mm-hmm. um, Eric Hochberg in Chicago, who's had a long time gig at Catch 35, a wonderful uh, seafood uh, restaurant downtown mm. Chicago. And there's, you know, he's by the bar, but there's a elevated stage in the middle, tables all the way around, and then more dining that's a little bit further removed for those that want to be. But it's, per, you know, it's great because people can sit all the, all around, have drinks, and look up. It's a little elevated stage, and you have, you know, piano-based drums, a singer, a horn player, wh- whatever, you know. Yeah, they don't. They don't use. Uh, 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 they don't use drums. It's very live. Mm-hmm. So they actually don't. But but the oh, bass. No the, drums. The, okay. The, the, sorry. The, the, the bass and piano, mm-hmm. and then the third uh, are, are weekly guests. Mm. They bring they bring in different people all all the time. So it's always it's always fresh. I saw that yeah. uh, this last week. Uh, uh, um, Ernie Watts played. 
the great tenor mm -hmm. saxophonist oh, who was awesome. with the Tonight Show band was there. But particularly mm -hmm. Chicago Chicago yeah. players. But but you know yeah it's a, it's but it, that's that that the theater in the round kind of that's exactly it has yeah, a, yeah it has yeah. a feel like that oh yeah right. Not right. probably exactly yeah. what you're describing, <laughs> right, 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 right. but well, it's yeah. still it, not yeah, quite still as Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, I really I love that sort of stuff. But anyways, we're just about done. So my last question is, what is one thing? And this is a terrible question, I know, because <laughs> there's never just one thing. But what's one thing that, as you've come to be where you are has helped you to really kind of leverage your own unique experience in music and otherwise to be become successful in where you are and be able to say, you know, this really helped me get to where I am now. Hmm. Or seven. It doesn't me. matter how many things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's... Uh, what comes to me right now is... when. Uh, from a question you asked earlier about mentor. Well, I, so I almost felt like teary-eyed because I didn't have, I had everybody as mentors, but I'd never had a, mm -hmm. that I can point to, that was my mentor. You know, I've been asked this in the past and I thought, well, I guess it was Ella Fitzgerald. You know, I would listen to her and watch her and then listen to all these other albums and because no one was teaching me jazz vocals directly. So I guess what I just learned is just to take it from everywhere and just believe in me and mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, no one's going to do it except you. So, I mean, that's, if I was going to, you know, give myself credit for any, any one thing, it was just like, you, you know, you can't fail, you know, you can't fail if you don't try. Yeah. You can't you succeed if you don't try. Just trust yourself and take that first step and you don't know where it's going to lead. That's the interesting part about it. But, and I think that's probably my success. Well, you know, I, I, it's like dumb, like Cher, Cher once, the famous singer, she said, I don't know, dumb luck. You know, <laughs> like her success, I just dumb luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that the, the thinking about failure and success is kind of fascinating mm -hmm. because that's kind of loaded, like the success that we found. Well, <laughs> well I'm so successful. Yeah, uh, like, because yeah, right. you, you look around. I mean, uh, as Francois, my mentor would say, um, uh, everyone is unique. Mm -hmm. Each, each actually is what he says is each one is unique. Everybody brings something to the table and it's all different. And we need all the voices at, at, at the table. Right. Part of that is, you know, you, you don't, you don't really learn if you don't screw up mm -hmm. because then you, 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 you have to force yourself to, uh, to, to, to get better. But mm -hmm. I think believing in yourself is, it, it goes, yeah. go, go, goes along there. And, and I think the other part of it is don't be afraid. You know, there's a, a, right. a, a meme going around with, the, with Kurt Vonnegut, you know, it's like everybody says, well, uh, and I was guilty of this. You know, if I look, look back and think about it, he'll say, well, I can't do that because, and I see this in the studio as well. I can't do that because Bobby does it better than me, or I can't do that because Sally does that or whatever. And, and I have a student come in and they say to me, uh, well, I, I, I want to play something that nobody else in the studio is playing. I'm saying, but, but why? Why does that even matter? This is your journey. This is your play a piece that you want to play. Who cares who else has played it? Because you're going to bring something else to the piece anyway. Right. Don't mm -hmm. don't right. be afraid they to do that. They want to be unique, but it's going to be unique anyway. Exactly, yeah. because their their performance is is is, is absolutely right. going to be unique. And this is for what you, you will both be students here for another year, and somebody's going to so. How is that really? So, don't be afraid to do 
to do anything, to try anything, to mm-hmm. uh, 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 to go for it. And if you screw up, okay. So then 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 you then you learn from it. And I, I don't want to be Pollyannish, Pollyanna-ish <laughs> about it, right? Which is to say that oh, everybody can do everything. Well, no, mm-hmm. it, 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 I don't mean that. But 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 don't be afraid to uh, to try and to and to grow. Yeah, I mean that's. Right. It takes yeah, time. What, it what takes is, time. What is success? You know, just to do, just to move forward in any direction, mm-hmm. to, and you that it's going to make you feel great. Out, out of bed oh, yeah. in the morning, yeah. there's right. a success. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Every day, I'm just excited to do the next thing. Oh yeah. And then there's, I think, an inherent personality trait too. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Well, awesome. Hans, Jackie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Oh, damn, Thanks for having us. I'm going to have yeah. to have you all on again. Don't even worry about it. It's going to happen. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you all for watching. Thanks. <laughs>